This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today's episode, if you've never had a credit card, I have some suggestions for you. Also, the fight between the natural and lab-grown diamond industries is heating up. Guess whose side I'm on? <laughs> That's easy. So, I had somebody ask me the other day about the whole credit card thing. And was I encouraging people to borrow money who shouldn't be borrowing money? And the reality is... That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to put people into a life of indebtedness. In fact, my thing is using credit cards only as a payment system. It is a fantastic way to do so because you have special protections when you pay for things with a credit card. If you pay the balance in full, there's no interest paid. And it helps you establish a credit identity, credit record, which you need to qualify for a mortgage, buy a car, um, how your rates are set for auto or homeowner's insurance. So many facets are controlled by you establishing credit. And over the years, I've been asked a zillion questions by people about how do you go about establishing that first credit card. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine to someone being in high school. So I like for a mom or dad with good credit, with good credit, to add their teenager as an authorized user on a credit card they have. And if you know your teen is not mature enough to actually have possession of that card, you just add them as an authorized user, don't tell them about it, and never give them the plastic. The idea is you're helping them establish a credit record with the credit bureaus simply by adding them as an authorized user. It's free and all the rest. And if you are in a family where the culture is that your son or daughter are going to go to college, at least for some amount of time, then when they hit college, you having made them an authorized user on a card, they're going to have a credit record, credit identity, and they will be able to qualify for a college student card, of which there are several, many actually available in the marketplace. But my favorite student card as a starter, has been the one from Discover. Discover seems to have wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, put its arms around, a welcoming arms around college students. And so it is a great way for 
a student to get his or her first card. Now, let me tell you the deal. College students are the most profitable of all customers for credit card companies because college students virtually never end up having their debt written off. If they get in over their heads, usually they get bailed out by family. So the credit card companies love giving cards to college students because they also often don't pay their balance in full, go month to month with outstanding balances, and they're usually charged extremely high interest rates on a student card, somewhere between 18 and 30%. So as a parent, your responsibility, if you do have a college kid, is to have multiple conversations with your son or daughter about how to handle that card and how to be responsible with it. Because as the banks know, most often you as a parent are going to be the one who ends up riding to the rescue when the debt collectors start calling from the bank. Now, what about somebody who doesn't go to college or someone who's already out and about after whatever education they had? So there are a number of alternatives. Again, Discover is near the top of the heap with a secured card that is a good secured card. But I also really like the pedal card, P-E-T-A-L. The pedal card has been my favorite card that is unsecured for people who have not had prior credit. Uh, pedal uses very different methods of evaluating whether or not they think they should take a chance on you. Their card has no annual fee, no gotchas, and gives you the ability right from the get-go to establish real credit with a real Visa card, not a secured one. Um, also, there is a secured card I talked about back maybe two or three months ago from Chime. Chime is uh, one of the online banks, and they have a card they call the Credit Builder. It's a Visa card where you determine your limit based on how much money you have on deposit with Chime. But what's great is it doesn't have all the ripoff fees of so many of the cards out there. And you play your cards right with Chime, bad pun. <laughs> you will find that it really helps you at extremely low cost to establish a credit history and credit record and be able to get regular credit moving forward. The biggest source, though, of initial credit and rebuilding credit, what's known as fresh starts, credit unions. So when you're looking to establish in many different situations, there are now much, much, much better products out in the marketplace than all those rip-off cards that used to be out there that are still are out there that have application fees, high annual fees, gotcha fees for everything. Don't go near any of those. They're the ones that are going to be aggressive looking for you. I want you to be aggressive looking for the right card for your situation. Krista? Okay, Clark, this is from Robert in Georgia. I'm a newly hooked Clark fan. Can you advise who to use for cellular data on an iPad or tablet, especially with, with unlimited data? 
I travel heavily for work and need a separate plan for my iPad than my cell phone. I'm going to be switching from Verizon to Visible at the end of the month at your suggestion. Now, doesn't Visible offer unlimited data for your tablet? I thought they do as part of the hotspot available to you with Visible that instead of you having to have a plan for your tablet, your cell phone plan is your plan for your tablet and you avoid all the fees. And it is correct. There is no data cap on hotspot from your visible cell phone plan. So when you switch from Verizon to Visible, you will have solved both problems. You won't have to pay for a separate plan for your iPad or tablet. It will already be baked into your $40 or less per month plan with Visible. And from Laura in Ohio, we still haven't received our federal tax refund, which we sent in the first week of March. Do you have any recommendations about what we and all the other Americans in the same boat can do? And we get so many of these oh, questions, Laura, Clark. This has been an exercise in frustration for not just you personally, but many, many millions of Americans. There are lots of reasons. The IRS has millions of pieces of mail they haven't even opened yet. They are understaffed and the last two tax seasons because of coronavirus have really fouled up their operation. And I can tell you, because see, I've got the opposite problem. I keep getting notices from the IRS saying I didn't file this, that, or the other, and I owe them extra money. And Mark in Michigan says, since we purchased our home in 2012, our mortgage has been held by no less than five different banks. The problem is not that my mortgage is being sold, but that smaller banks are being gobbled up by bigger banks. For me, the issue is the irritation of having to switch account numbers and other information on such a frequent basis. I don't really want to refinance with my credit union as we only plan on being in our house for five more years and we have a pretty good rate. Is there a possibility of asking my credit union to purchase my mortgage so that I have everything in the same place? Also, where are things headed in the financial industry? Will we eventually have just one super bloated ultra monster mega bank in the U.S.? (laughs) So let me deal with your key question first. No, the credit union is not going to buy your mortgage out from whichever bank has been gobbled up that now is the latest to be some other name that's the latest to be another name after that other name and on like that um, you would have to do a refi with your credit union and you could consider and you might get a deal worth doing doing a 5-1 arm with them where you'd set the rate for the next five years could be a possibly enough lower of a rate than what you have now that it could work out for you to refi Um, As to your question, what's happening in the financial industry, here's what happened. So we have these four giant monster mega banks that control a little bit more than half of banking in the United States. Wells Fargo, Chase, Citibank, and Bank of America are the big four giant monster mega banks. They are so large that regional banks that were considered to be big institutions 15 years ago are now pipsqueaks by comparison. So there's a massive wave of consolidation going on where banks are gobbling up banks, trying to bulk up, 
and get some meaningful size to them. And it is likely that sometime by maybe 2025, we'll have 15 banks that account for 80 to 90% of all banking activity in the United States. So that is where we're headed, and there will be a lot of good news letters, good news in order to serve you better. We're merging with blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, it's good news only for their stockholders. And I want to tell you, after years of escalating prices, the diamond industry is facing a real threat, and they're fighting mad and fighting back. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a war going on in the diamond industry. And this one, you are the Grand Slam winner from. Lab-created diamonds are identical chemically to dug-out-of-the-earth diamonds, but cost a tiny fraction. And I told you about a year and a half ago that De Beers, the huge diamond company, has even set up its own separate subsidiary that sells only lab-created diamonds. Sells a one-carat diamond for 800 bucks. I mean, they're so much less expensive and the lab created diamonds if they are selected well are gorgeous and what you get for your money particularly as you go up to larger carat sizes is unbelievably better than what you get with dug out of the earth diamonds Uh, we had somebody complain recently that i wasn't addressing the fact that Lab-created diamonds have no real resale marketplace. So they're yours. You buy one, maybe it's a lot cheaper, but you own it. And I love what somebody posted is that you buy a real diamond, and gosh, it's going to be worth about half of what you paid for it when you go to sell it. Like, that was good. (laughs) Well, the diamond industry now is terrified. I saw a story in the Financial Times of London that they are promoting very heavily that real diamonds are real diamonds and other diamonds are not real diamonds. And they're talking about the preciousness, the rarity, the uniqueness in their exact words. They've set up a lobbying and, and a propaganda arm that will fully reveal the core values and emotional significance of natural diamonds. So they can't say real versus fake because they're all real. And diamond prices have moved steadily up over the years. And the greatest threat 
to those price points are lab-created diamonds, and they're unreal. Now, my wife has become a believer because I bought her last year a pair of lab-created one-carat each diamond earrings. Now, you buy high-quality one-carat diamond each, so two-carat total weight, diamond stud earrings, you're going to pay a zillion bucks for a dug out of the earth. Her pair, 1800 bucks, And that's the beauty of it. And then you look at the diamonds available. They are absolutely stunning. The quality you get in a lab-created diamond, again, that is chemically identical to one dug out of the earth. The beauty of the stones available in the marketplace vastly superior to what you could get for the same money from a dug-out-of-the-earth diamond. Or you could look at it another way. Particularly in larger carat sizes, you'll pay about 25 cents on the dollar to 50 cents on the dollar for a lab-created diamond versus a dug-out-of-the-earth diamond. You don't have to worry about exploitation, uh, what do they call them, blood diamonds, whatever. You don't have to worry about war diamonds, any yes. of that. And environmentally, it's not a slam dunk. Lab diamonds use a lot of energy, but they still use a lot less resources per carat than digging them out of the earth. So this is a clear threat that the industry is so frightened that they're trying now to tell you that a lab-created diamond is somehow junk, not as good as, as they call it, a natural diamond. that would be precious, rare, and unique. That tells you they don't have a good story to tell. And the good story for your wallet is to look at a lab-created diamond when you're looking at buying one instead of a dug-out-of-the-earth diamond. I was at a jewelry store recently, not looking for a diamond, but I just happened to ask if they had any lab-grown diamonds because I wanted to see. And you would have thought I walked into like a church service naked. Like they were so horrified. They were like, <laughs> "Those aren't real diamonds, and we will never carry them." It so was unbelievable. not real diamonds. No, that's what they said. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see what we have here, Clark. We've got Laura in Missouri saying, my 13-year-old son's bar mitzvah is coming up, and I'm considering what to do with the windfall of cash he is likely to receive. I'm currently thinking about letting him spend 10% so he gets some enjoyment out of the gifts and opening a Roth IRA or some similar type of account in his name with the remaining 90%. We are a low-income family, and I want to hopefully help him have a better financial future through the benefits of time and compounding interest. Would you advise this, or is there a better option? Well, first, Laura, mazel tov. So as far as your idea 1090, I love that. I mean, that's something I've been an advocate for for a long time, is that when there's a windfall, you enjoy 10% of it and put the other 90% to work. If you put 100% to work, then you didn't get any, any immediate gratification from it. So I like the idea of the 1090 that you're doing. Roth IRA, your 13-year-old can't do. 
unless he's already working at a job in some way reporting earned income. So what you can do instead, and I don't know how much money we're talking about, but you could open him an investment account and put the money in what's known as index funds. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about this, but if you put half the money in a total uh, or a total stock market index fund, sometimes referred to as a broad market index fund, and the other half in a total international index fund, that would allow your son to own the United States and the world, the publicly traded stocks of much of the world, and over time would build your son quite a nest egg and would really take that money and build it for the future because as an investment account, there are small taxes to be paid from time to time, but the investments can be used for many different purposes, not just like retirement. They can be used for down payment on a house, pay for school, to uh, buy a car, uh, you name it. It doesn't have to be left locked down like the idea of a Roth IRA for retirement. And from Lisa in Maryland, what is a typical broker fee for managing an IRA and mutual fund account? Today, most people pay zero. It is only people who go to what are known as full commission stockbrokers that are paying big fees or paying fees for a mutual fund account or an IRA. What you're referring to as a broker fee is either a um, typically a 1% fee or actual commissions or something, a throwback term called loads. There are still uh, full commission investment people who... When you buy a mutual fund, they take typically 5.5% of the money. They just take it. So if you put in every dollar you put in, you immediately only have 94.5 cents. There's no reason with an IRA, traditional IRA, a Roth, or a mutual fund account that you should be paying any broker fees at all. You should buy them where you buy them through a discount broker or with a mutual fund company like Vanguard, where there are no broker fees. From Joshua in Florida, I am a 22-year-old man, and I'm working for a nonprofit hospital which has a 403B retirement plan. I haven't worked long enough to qualify for an employer contribution. Once I do, the max match is 6% if I invest 7%. I currently invest 15% of my salary into a target retirement fund for 2055, the latest they offer, with a horrible fee of 0.97%. Oh, I got to stop you there. 0.97% for a 2055. This is the problem with 403Bs. The cost of being in that 2055 fund should be about a tenth of that. That is disgusting. Go ahead, Krista. I'm close to maxing out my Roth IRA as well. Should I continue to invest money into the 403B account this way, or are there alternatives? So I don't know if the nonprofit hospital you work for hates its employees or is just clueless, because that's terrible. Um, I don't know if you have a choice of 403B providers within the hospital system or if you only have the one. In your case, I would rather you not contribute to it until you qualify for the match. And then once you qualify for the match, 
do the 7% in so you get the 6% match. You're obviously somebody who loves to save money. If you have a healthcare plan there that qualifies for an HSA, the coolest thing you could do would be open an HSA account with Fidelity Investments. And an HSA allows you to build up another pile of cash that is tax-free. In fact, they're incredible. They're probably the best tax deal we have going of any investment you can do. A failing access to an HSA, I would do what I talked about a moment ago. I would open an investment account. You do that with Fidelity and put money in a regular Fidelity account in the Fidelity Zero Funds. And I'd start with the two I mentioned before, the total stock market, Fidelity Zero total stock market and international index. Those would be a great place for you to stash cash because you would be paying zero fee instead of 1%. And from John in Colorado, in a previous podcast, I remember Clark talking about the TSP and what the best vehicle is to use. Was it the C fund or is it the life cycle fund that's best? Well, I mean, that's personal choice. I really like the L funds because I want you to build up a significant amount of money over time. And the L funds over time are historically going to outperform the C funds. For people who don't know what I'm talking about with John, the TSP is the thrift savings plan. And it's amazing because we're talking about just a minute ago, the hospital that is charging the massive fees on their retirement account and the TSP offered by the federal government to military personnel and civilian employees, the expenses on it are almost zero straight up. And the plan is self-sustaining. So it is beyond ridiculous that nonprofits like hospitals and school systems have these atrocious 403B plans where, John, you can put in the same money and over time you'll end up eventually spending retirement versus someone who works at Joshua's Hospital. You'll end up probably with 40% or more more net money to live on in retirement than somebody working at the hospital Joshua works at. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.